Welcome back to Two Metal Dudes. This is Austin, and hello. Well, hello. This is Charlie. Oh, hey, Charlie. What's up, dude? Nothing much, man. How are you, Austin? I'm doing all right on this uh, Wednesday. It's it's pretty warm in the Bay Area, you know. It's like 80-something. Is that a shared t-shirt you're wearing? It is a share T-shirt. I got yeah. it uh, when yeah, I went so. to go see her live in uh, 2019. Dude, I love that. That's a great shirt. <laughs> Thanks, dude. N- nice, nice. So now that we know what Charlie is wearing, um, we can get right into it. So today, you know, we talk about a, a few different things. Obviously, you know, I'm <clears throat> hopefully I won't ramble on as much as I normally do. Um, but uh, we wanted to cover a new release that's near and dear to our hearts and then we'll launch into another uh, segment but initially this release of what I'm alluding to is the new Cannibal Corpse album it's their 15th album which is nuts you know, because considering, I mean, they were one of the original sort of, uh, you know, Tampa Bay, Florida bands. Originally, though, the dudes are from Buffalo, but that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. yeah. And Is they it? have, well, maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> they have a bunch of classic albums. And honestly, their past couple ones, you know, I haven't spent too much time with um yeah but i think this new one is is pretty good great production um it's called violence unimagined and it came out a couple weeks ago on the 16th of april i believe um and yeah we've both been listening to it and um it's 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 pretty great and i'll I'll give a little more detailed thoughts but what do you think charlie what do you think of the new album um, I think it's wonderful, you know? So yeah, it's their 15th studio album. Um, you've seen a lot of lineup changes throughout the years, right? And this album is no exception. So Pat O'Brien is no longer in the band and now their longtime producer and live fill-in guitarist, Eric Rutan, who we know from bands like Hate Eternal, Morbid Angel, I think. Yes. And, uh, you know, he's pretty prominent on the death metal scene and he, he's produced a ton of stuff, right? Uh, and so he wrote three of the songs and so he's, you know, songwriting and really contributing towards the band. And I think it's been uh, a very, very good thing. Pat O'Brien, of course, you know, his kind of songwriting style is super aggressive and very technical. And, uh, I think Eric Rutan also brings a lot of those elements in and just like the shitty writes is so heavy. Yeah. And the uh, story with Pat O'Brien is very sad and hilarious though. Um, which is, you know, something else I guess we could... I don't remember all the details, but I think I don't he, either. He, got he basically very, like went crazy, like yeah. broke into someone's house and like held them at like... I don't think he held them at gunpoint, but he basically like yeah, he's, he's, kidnapped he's, them. Sounds like he's very... He's been ill for a very long time and then it kind of just culminated. But um, yeah, my you know initial takeaways from the new album, um, great production which is, you know, pretty par for the course for a lot of their newer albums. They're very good. Yeah. Well, well, they're all produced by Eric Rutan. I was, so oh, he, I, yeah, I didn't realize that. Too. I knew that he had produced some of their albums. I didn't realize he was like their, oh, okay, that makes more sense. I think sense. like the last, at, at least since Torture, I'm pretty sure he produced all of them. 
That's a while ago. Um, yeah, that was in uh, 2012. Yeah. So that's really great. And, you know, you get the, so, like, they're not reinventing the wheel. This is the Cannibal Corpse sound, which is, you know, like super technical and fast guitars and bass. And then, you know, like a slower, heavier rhythm section. And, um, you know, I, I've always wished Cannibal Corpse was a little bit faster in terms of drumming. Um, but, I mean, they've got such a great groove and heaviness to them. And the, the bass player is one of the original members, right? The bass player and the drummer are the only two original members. Yeah, they're members. the only left. And I swear, the bass player is just... I mean, he's Alex amazing. Webster. Yeah. He's, he's amazing. Yeah. I mean, you hear the bass so prominent in so many of their songs. And I know he's a, a good songwriter as well. So anyway, yeah. I, I think it's a, it's a very good album. Um, it's not bringing anything new to the table, but that's not a negative here. This is like the Cannibal Corpse sound. And it's better than, uh, I'd say, their past few albums. And they were just more memorable. And maybe that has something to do with Eric Rutan. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I would say definitely. Uh, the album before this was called Red Before Black. That album, I feel like, was much more like, it wasn't as technical as their ones before that. You know, it was, it was more just like straightforward stuff. Um, a Skeleton Domain was before that one. That one's definitely more technical. And I think, honestly, my favorite Cannibal Corpse album out of all of them, including the Chris Barnes era, is uh, Torture. You know, Bec- and it all kind of came to light when we saw them at the Fillmore. And yes. uh, they opened up with, I, I think, one of the best death metal songs ever written, uh, Scourge of Iron. Desolation of their souls, they slave in fire, with the babies of their backs, the scourge of iron, those eternal back, less than, with the skin, scourge of iron. Because before, like I was, I was into the Chris Barnes stuff. Like you know, I loved Tomb of the Mutilated. The bleeding was amazing. Uh, Vile Corpse Grinders' first album, I really, really loved as well. But then kind of in the late 90s, the middle 2000s, you know, I've kind of lost touch with them. And then when seeing them live with you, that's when I heard, you know, some of their newer stuff. And I was like, oh, I've been I've been missing out. Well, isn't that sort of the modern era of Cannibal Corpse sort of kicked off with Kill? Kill. Yeah. That was yeah, in, what, uh, like 2006. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like that's when they kind of hit their stride. And there's definitely since then, you know, some forgettable albums. But some really good ones too. Um, yeah, I've I particularly enjoyed um, Evisceration Plague. I thought that was a sick album. Yeah, um, and but yeah. Anyway, Cannibal Corpse is back. It's awesome to see them. So, oh, and I also just read today that it was one of their highest debuting albums, like on the Billboard cha- charts or something. Like, yeah. People are people are here for it. You know, the pandemic is still going on, but we all just we can't wait for those new shows to, uh, you know, those new tours to get announced and come out. And, and I feel like the Cannibal Corpse tour that 
inevitably is going to happen in the fall is just going to rule so hard. It's going to rule. And we would be uh, very much remiss if we didn't talk about the album artwork. Oh, yeah. The uncensored. I mean, it really brings it back to like, you know, the earlier Chris Barnes stuff of like two of the mutilated at birth. Yeah. type of graphics, you know, which is, uh, I think honestly, I, if I had to guess, that's part of the reason why it was so popular. Cause I know I definitely oh, the other okay. day tried to buy an LP of the uncensored version and they were all sold out. Um, because it's just so, it's so gnarly. But yes, I think a lot of it is that, um, horror sort of awesome artwork, you know, extremely graphic serial killer type, lyrics and stuff like that or at least with chris barnes i mean he was very my favorite cannibal corpse song i mean and sometimes i you know i feel bad just saying it but it's uh stripped raped and strangled um and it has like the bet on the off of the bleeding and it has like just the best bass line ever and it's great but it is very over the top you know like shock Shock yeah. rock, shock rock taken to a whole new level. And I think that hundred well, percent, that is a huge appeal of cannibal corpse. Yeah. yeah. And especially with the early stuff, I mean, they're putting out song titles like in what, 1992 called like I come blood, right. you know, off the bleeding. <laughs> yeah, like right. I think strip rape and strangle comes right after fucked with a knife. Yeah. It's yeah. so, I mean, that's just so ludicrous, but I definitely remember being in like fifth grade being like, Oh, that's cool. You know, look, I, at, look at me now. I honestly, this is kind of weird, but, I had the initial opposite reaction. When I first started getting into death metal, I hated Cannibal Corpse just because of the shock rock. Yeah. Or some for some reason I was just like, oh, it's stupid, like they're making a mockery. And then, you know, the more I like got into you know, more into metal and, and horror movies and stuff, you do realize that the best stuff or some of the best stuff, yes, some of it is very serious and dark or whatever. But a lot of it is like tongue in cheek, very over the top, silly sort of stuff. And I think when you look at it from that perspective, you can better understand Cannibal Corpse and, you know, and then stop being like the tipper gores of the world and be like, oh, my God, it's going to destroy the family. You know, like, no, it's it's like, you know, it's like it's like Stephen King, just like with a sense of humor. And they only have four minute songs to get their point across instead of a 500 page novel. Right. Or I mean, you know, it's a nightmare on Elm street, a Hellraiser type thing, you know? Yeah. Very disturbing movies, but also with very good, you know, senses of humor. So I think cannibal corpse falls under that. And honestly, corpse grinder is a, in that sense is a way better front man than Chris Barnes. Cause Chris Barnes didn't, he seemed to be taking it pretty seriously. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I think he's pretty unwell. <laughs> yeah. Or it's like corpse grinder, you know, a cool dude. I mean, he says he can be an idiot too, but he's like a family man, super good guy. Like if you, do you ever, yeah. do you follow his Instagram? Oh, he's the best dude. All he's he does like, is like, yeah, post about ahead. his two daughters. It's just yeah. like, it's like a dad's blog, you know, or his like favorite thing to do is go to target and buy out all the yeah. stuffed animals and donate them to local shelters, like homeless yeah, shelters and stuff. And so, like, He's, such a good dude. Yeah, he's such a good guy. Um, and it's interesting, too, because when I was looking at this, uh, Chris Barnes wrote all the lyrics, but like Corpse Grinder basically doesn't write any lyrics to any of the songs. There's a couple of oh, albums that, in the way, way beginning where he's a right? couple of. Yeah, it's, you know, the same. It's the same thing with Tom Araya and Slayer. 
Like he didn't write any of the music. He didn't write any of the lyrics, really. Maybe a couple of songs here and there. And so apparently it's the same thing with Corpse Grinder. Like on the new album, he didn't write any of the lyrics and obviously he didn't write any of the music, but. Yeah, that is interesting because, you know, like Tom played bass, but man, I want that job. Um, What, to just show up and someone hands you the (laughs) lyrics and then you just talk about like ripping someone's arm off and beating them to death with it or whatever. But you're also like the most well-known guy from the band. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But like the bass player is writing all the songs. Um, Yeah. But, and also to briefly mention Eric Rutan, I just have to shout out to him because I hate Eternal, you know, not my favorite band or whatever, uh, but they put out some great death metal releases. But him specifically, he started out in Ripping Corpse, which I won't get into too much detail, but that is a very important early death metal band. And then Mm -hmm. he was like producer slash second guitarist for Morbid Angel many times over. Like he'd play on an album or he'd play on a tour, blah, blah, blah. I think the first album he played on was Domination, which is a very underrated um, uh, Morbid Angel album. And the last one with um, David Vincent before it, before they transitioned yeah. to Steve Tucker. So anyway, Eric Rutan, he's been, he's a, a crucial p- uh, part of the death metal scene and has been since the beginning. So it's awesome to see him, you know, and of course, yeah. like, of course, he's just like, yeah, I'll fill in. And then he just destroys it. You know, it's really funny. It's not it's not really funny at all. It's not funny at all. But it's interesting because you could hear the influence very clearly. So a song he wrote on here is called Ritual Annihilation. And uh, I was listening it to, to it today when I was walking my dog. And they were having, uh, there was a part in the song that was so typical Morbid Angel. Because something that Morbid Angel does a lot, uh, I think, is that they really like playing slow guitar lines with fast double bass below it. It'll be like the super evil sounding thing. It's one and of there's the, a part. Oh, I love it so much. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a part in Ritual Annihilation on the new Cannibal Corpse album that does that exact same thing. And I, I heard it. I was like, this is so, it's, that's Rutan, you know? What, that's his Morbid Angel influence bringing it into, um, into his Cannibal Corpse. Yeah, and totally. And, and Hate Eternal has a few really heavy albums, but they, uh, to me, they just don't live up to his potential. But his like p- production and his guitar playing on albums like Cannibal Corpse and Morbid Angel really is what shines through and how amazing he is. Um, yeah. So I know, I mean, did you, did you want to play one of the Eric Rutan's yeah, songs off the I album? did. So this one is a Condemnation Contagion. And it's kind of a more, it's more mid-paced. Uh, it picks it up with a guitar solo towards the end of the song. But it just, it grooves really well. And I just think it's a badass song. Yeah, that is, it's so heavy and very mid-paced. I mean, that's classic Cannibal Corpse. And also, yeah. 
also kind of reminds me, um, the, yeah, like I love Cannibal Course, but I just wish the drummer would play faster. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, he has like a very signature, like blast beat style. That's, you know, it's like if you're going to, if someone's like do a blast beat in the death and roll style, it would be like the cannibal. It would be Paul Mazurkiewicz, I think his name is. Um, but there's a pretty good drum solo in there. You know, he was getting he was getting crazy on the toms. You know, a lot of ghost notes on the snare. No, yeah. I know, and and he <laughs> he is quite influential. And I, I think a lot of the younger bands are are very much emulating the drumming of, of what's it, Paul? Paul somebody? Paul? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's just it's just my personal preference, you know. Like I, I think, and I've realized as we've do, done this show, that I didn't quite realize this to begin with. Is that I just prefer like a faster death metal drumming. I mean, I like the mid pace stuff for sure, and I love a lot of it, like bolt thrower, etc. But yeah, I, I first, you know, I like the the Pete Sandoval, just like you know. But I, and I guess I didn't quite realize that until you know, thinking about it, doing this show and being like, Oh, pizza and Dovel started in terrorizer and was a grindcore drummer first. Like, Oh, well, okay. So he's kind of sped things up and maybe that, and then, you know, the suffocations and stuff like that, you know, a little bit faster. You got me into cannibal course. I was not a cannibal course fan until I think you were like, Hey, check this out. You know, I'd heard death metal for sure. But like, I specifically remember when we were like 18 or 19, you got me into Cannibal Corpse and At the Gates. Yeah. Final thoughts on Cannibal Corpse. Um, it is a good album. It's solid. It's you know, it's it's certainly not going to be like my favorite Cannibal Corpse album. But I mean, for twenty twenty one, as the pandemic, you know, hopefully is 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 you know, seat receding into the background. This album is just great. The and the artwork just <laughs> it makes it even better. And I think is also somebody who, if someone's trying to get more into death metal um, in this day and age, pop this one on. And if you don't like it, you you probably don't like death metal. I mean, honestly, yeah. like, and that's not meant to be like rude or discouraging, but like, if <laughs> it's you, very rude. <laughs> yeah, but, but if you don't like something about, if like you're trying to get into death metal and you don't like something about this new Cannibal Corpse album, you're probably not gonna like death metal, and that's fine. Yeah, mm. that's okay. But now, so we did. We wanted to record this episode um, like a week or two ago, but you know we're very, very busy individuals with sweeping and driving around and getting groceries and occasionally going to work. That we couldn't find time to record until today, but we did want to talk more about we were going to do a 420 episode and talk more about uh weed related um metal bands or bands that were you know more influenced by that because it's a huge subset of metal just in general i mean we'll talk about black sabbath in a second but i mean metal was essentially founded around some illicit substance use um yeah and, you know, obviously, Charlie and I, as two adult men in our 30s, we're working professionals. You know, we we don't condone any sort of substance use, and we certainly don't do anything crazy. I mean, I just, I occasionally have a coffee, but, you know, that's about it. Yeah, I enjoy tea. 
but right, you know, bit, the, a little we, bit less caffeine. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, exactly. But I go for a uh, quantity more than quality. So I just drink a lot more of it. <laughs> um, but with the, so weed actually, it's interesting that marijuana is not just, obviously it's very prevalent in a lot of the metal and everything, but if you just look at music in general, you know, there in the 19, early 1900s, maybe like, you know, 1930s, 1940s, you had like someone like Cab Calloway who like fronted a, you know, a jazz ensemble singing about weed and, you know, getting high and all this sort of stuff. Have you ever met that funny reefer man? If he says he swam to China, wants to sell you South Carolina, then you know you're talking to that reefer man. Louis Armstrong was known oh, to yeah. like smoke a ton <laughs> yeah, of dude. weed, right? Uh, I looked, I tried finding some stuff in like older classical music, like maybe like Mozart or something, but I didn't find anything. It's very prevalent in basically any art culture. Yeah, no. There's some, there's some subset of like marijuana focused something. And I bet you, if you do look at that, you know, more Western European classical stuff, it wasn't that like they didn't want to smoke marijuana, but they didn't have access to it or had never heard of it. Yeah. You know, they were just chewing on like cocoa leaves right. or something or just getting fucking <laughs> wasted. Cause they're all German, uh, <laughs> German, Austrian, <laughs> but like, yeah. but yeah, very much with the, and Russian. Yeah, that's true. But very much with, um, you know, American artists from early 1900s on, you know, jazz, blues, all that stuff is very, yeah very heavily influenced by marijuana, yeah. which came through Mexico to this country, um, I think in the late 1800s, early 1900s. Um, yeah. But awesome. Maybe we should take, maybe we should take a step back. Why don't you tell our listeners what is marijuana? Wait, what you, um, it's some sort of like sticky green plant that maybe I experimented with in, high school or you know other times like that but it just makes it feel funny and you smoke it yeah and it makes music sound better i would have no idea well actually in an earlier episode you admitted that you weren't drinking but smoking weed at your first concert yeah so okay well in my teenage years it um it made pantera sound better but then i i grew up and i you know just started uh, binge drinking IPAs. <laughs> you know? <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anywho, but let, let's yeah, just yeah, yeah. Okay. skip directly <laughs> to marijuana and music or marijuana and metal. And Black Sabbath is considered by pretty much everyone to be the first heavy metal band. I mean, there's, you know, MC5 kind of brought more of a punk, you know, raw sound. Um, what was the band? Blue... Blue Cheer. Yes, thank you. The Blue Cheer album. I mean, it's all sort of like proto metal or whatever, but Black Sabbath is the first metal band that everyone can agree yeah. on. And it's literally just heavy blues. It's heavy sort of zoned out blues. Emphasis less on technicality and more on just riffs and how it sounds. And then Black Sabbath introduced the... I mean, again, they were not the first band, but they really helped popularize the occult in sort of music, even though uh, some of their albums are very Christian, oddly enough. But Are those the one with Dio on it? No, no. Do you know that Master Reality is a Christian album? Is yeah, it really? Even though that is the album we're going to talk about for the most part. Yeah, Tony Iommi, I didn't Tony know. Iommi is a huge Christian. Uh, so a lot of those songs like 
children of the grave and stuff. I mean, they, they are more Christian oriented, but then they talk about the occult and they talk about weed literally. And like, was this like 1972 or something on an album, but initially started with black Sabbath and a very heavy fuzzed out drug influenced, like, white working class Birmingham, like, you know, factory, fuck everything, you know, the industrial revolution fucked us all over type thing. And then has a spiritual component to it. Um, but that master of reality album, their third album, right? Cause it was self-titled and paranoid. I think it's their fourth. No, I believe it's their third cause volume four. No, I think it's, it's their, their fourth. fourth. No, I think it's their fourth. Mm. No, I think it's their fourth. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Volume four was their fifth. Okay, well, you could be. No, I think it's. I don't know. I'm just being. A I dick. think you're wrong, but um, I think it's this. It goes self-titled, paranoid, and then master of reality. Yeah, you're right. And then oh, volume four is their yeah, fourth. Yeah, 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 it is. And then yeah, it is. Sabbath, bloody <laughs> yeah. Sabbath, is their fifth. Right, right. And they, a bunch of their albums are great. Um, but master of reality is definitely my favorite of theirs, and I think probably the majority of Sabbath fans. I mean, a lot of them, you know, the hardcore ones will say volume four or Sabbath, bloody Sabbath, or even some of some people really? will say a Dio album. Um, cause he was pretty sick, but dude, master reality is their heaviest and it's their most like fuzzed out record. It, that set the template for like doom, um, and stoner metal later, you know, to come out in the eighties and nineties. And then, so to relate back to, you know, more 420 marijuana stuff, the first song, the first song off of Master Reality, 1972, is called Sweet Leaf. And it's just an ode to marijuana. And it's just Ozzy crooning about it. So let's throw that on from the beginning. <laughs> So, I mean, right there, the beginning part is him coughing <laughs> after inha it's inhaling. So and then he's just talking about, sweetly, if you introduce me to my mind, you know. Um, and it's just, I mean, literally spawned an entire, you know, not just metal, but also like subgenres of metal that are directly related to those riffs and those lyrics um, from that song and, and this album. What do you, I mean... Do you have a favorite song on this album? What do you think of Sweet Leaf, et cetera? I mean, Sweet Leaf, probably my favorite songs on the album are Sweet Leaf, Children of the Grave. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Sweet Leaf is, is, a, is an excellent song. I love the lyrics, you know, basically like 
being born again through just smoking pot. (laughs) And apparently, apparently that worked very well for him. Um, But yeah, Master of Reality is an excellent album. And I think that it really did kind of get the ball rolling in a lot of ways. You listen to a lot of bands now, you know, like a, a, a band that's just coming to the top of my head is Uncle Acid and the Dead Beats, oh, right? Yeah, like yeah. they have riffs where they, if they were covering a Sabbath song, I wouldn't, that I hadn't heard of, I would have believed it, right? Yeah, totally. They sound I so mean, they, familiar, sim- similar. Almost the same in many ways. Um, yeah, and that's sort of a perfect transition to just talking more bands like that who are like heavy, heavy metal, but more specifically influenced by Black Sabbath. Um, in those genres, I mean, there's sort of three of them, I'd say, or maybe four. I don't know. And there, some of them are made up. But, like, there's doom metal, which, you know, sort of started with maybe, like, candle mass and stuff like that. Uh, so more of – there's mm-hmm. no growling like death metal. It's more operatic vocals. Like a wailing. Yeah, and a, and a modern example would be what's that popular band? Uh, Paul, Paul Bear. Bear. Exactly. And then there's like stoner metal slash sludge. And I don't think sludge is a real genre of music, um, but that's another conversation. But it's sort of just these heavier, slower, you know, basically like Black Sabbath, but heavier and slower is essentially like these are entire genres of music. And they also became really or more popular, you know, like Pitchfork, Brooklyn Vegan, etc. You know, where other... F- friends of mine who don't like metal will be like, Oh, have you heard the new, whatever? Yeah. The new Yob album. Uh, Yeah. So there's in that, I would say that started getting more popularity, like mid two thousands, maybe late two thousands and continues to today where like you go to, you know, a stoner metal show. um, It's much more likely to be sold out or have fans of, of, uh, you know, who aren't like people who aren't metal fans in general. They're just like there for the fuzzed out like seventies rock and roll vibe, which is really great. Like motorcycles and fucking marijuana apparently, but I don't know anything about that. So, I mean, we, we wanted to talk about a couple other, you know? Yeah. I mean, I would say that the modern day or not really modern day, cause this came out a while back, but, um, I think a lot of people, when they think about like what's a quintessential stoner album, as one of the first bands that comes to mind is Sleep, and then the album Dope Smoker. Yes, it, I think that's a very, very good album. It's not my favorite of like all all of those albums in general, but it's right near the top. And like you said, it's so influential. And that kind of also, I think you know, um, Sleep is a San Jose band. Whoop whoop, Bay Area. Uh, I think they're also building off of that early nineties desert rock sound out of Southern California that was popularized by Kaios and then, you know, brought into the mainstream with Queens of the stone age. Um, yeah, I I fucking love those bands and like Fu Manchu and shit. Oh man. I listen to that all day long. Great driving music. Yeah. So I went back and I listened to it, you know, again, to prep for this, uh, all the way through. And it was really interesting. It was interesting to me because to be completely honest, dope smoker as an album in and of itself, as we said, is not something I'm going to put on and come back to a lot. Right. But what it really reminded me of is that it was just like, 
it's like a musical experience listening to it. And what I kind of mean by that is the way that the album is structured is yes, it's an hour long, but there's probably like seven different riffs in yeah, that I mean, hour long. There's obviously period, right? different songs. You could break it up into different songs. Um, and I think don't isn't Jeru- their album Jerusalem just Dope Smoker broken up into tracks? Yeah, by the record label to make it more palatable. To oh, make it more palatable. Got it. Um, okay. I believe. But yeah, whereas you, yeah, you're not as much like, this is another thing. You're not as much as into this style as I am. Like I was huge into like, Oh yeah. An hour long song. Great. Let me put it on. And for me, um, yes, I'm not like spending the whole time, like, you know, every few seconds paying attention. It's very good background. Um, you know, walking around or just fucking hanging out type music. And, um, I actually listen to Dope Smoker like all the time. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And, and that's exactly what I was trying to get at too, where it's like, it reminded me of like a, like a metal version of like classical minimalistic music where like minimalistic music, right. Yeah. Is this one st- way that you can present that music or whatever is it's just like repeating patterns with very slow and uh, changes like over long periods of time. So a piece that comes to mind for me is Steve Reich's music for 18 musicians, which is just, just com- totally repetitive and then slowly morphs over time. So what it does is it has like almost like a meditative effect where you're not sitting there and listening to music like, oh, I like this part. It's just like you kind of, it, it causes you to just like totally zone out. And I think Dope Smoker did the exact same thing for me where, again, because you listen to the same riff for seven minutes in a row, it puts you in this like tra- kind of like, st- it, it's like this the experience of listening to it puts you in almost like this meditative state, which I think is a really unique thing because in a lot of music we listen to nowadays, you just don't get any resemblance of that.
Yeah, and that, that's very interesting. You had mentioned that to me the other day, and I, <clears throat> I never thought about it like that. Because um, I think a lot of you know critiques of this music are that it is just repetitive. Oh, it's the same thing over and over again. But you're totally right when it's executed properly, or I don't know, properly. That's not the right word, but just executed well. Like Dope Smoker, it is transcendent. Like it's sort of, um, you just put that on and you let it take you wherever, which is, I don't know, you know, perhaps what marijuana might do to your brain, but I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, you don't hear the, you don't hear the first uh, lyrics and there's only like, there's like three sentences, four lines in the whole thing. You don't hear them until eight minutes. And the first first lyrics are um, drop out of life with a bong in your hand. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, It's just just really. And if the narrative to this, like, you know, paragraph long um, story here is just very simple. It's like these people called the Weedians who are essentially just Moses and the Hebrews. um, But they're more like the characters from Dune. You remember the, Dune book, but then they all smoke weed and they're just wandering across a desert smoking weed in some different space time continuum. And that's the song pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah, you could tell from the uh, album cover as well. It, it definitely depicts that image that you just described. And, and Matt Pike very much in the same way. Matt Pike is the front man and guitar player for sleep very much in the same way that Tony Iommi sort of drives the Black Sabbath sound with riffs um, and solos. I mean, that's what Matt Pike is doing, and it's just yeah. fantastic. I mean, his guitar tone is so amazing. It's just so crunchy. And uh, Sleep was actually, I was thinking about this too. Um, it was, remember, we went and saw Sleep. We got tickets yeah. late, and so we the floor was sold out. And so we had to go get, so we had seats. And I was like, this is actually a really good show to sit down for yeah. because it was just, it allowed me to really enjoy it where, when I wasn't thinking like, fuck, my legs hurt from standing in this one spot because no one was moving in the crowd. So it was a uh, very nice, you know, to get up and like, you know, have our little yes. beers and sippy sip and enjoy you know, the music. Headbanging and sitting down was a new experience and we both loved yeah. it <laughs> at, that, at that type of show. I mean, if we saw a fucking Slayer in the seats, we would have been pissed, but you know. No, sleep was perfect for it. But sleep was perfect. Yeah, absolutely perfect. Um, And then I actually saw him another time. I don't know if it was before or after that. Probably after that. Where you, you were somewhere else. Yeah. And I I saw them, I I saw a fucking sleep open up for neurosis. And that was, I mean, talk about Bay Area metal royalty. Yeah. I mean, just unreal. And two very stonery, sludgy, whatever you want to call them, bands. Um, like two of the best, if not, I mean, you could make an argument that they are the two best. And that was an unbelievable show. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that same tour, but it was Converge opening up for Neurosis. So maybe it was a different tour. Or I think they were just playing shows. I don't think it was a tour. Neurosis was playing show a few different shows around the barrier. Like they did Berkeley, maybe Oakland, and then a couple of shows yeah. in, in San Francisco. San Francisco, yeah. Yeah. So also, I know that we both picked some songs about um, from stoner metal bands, or maybe not even stoner metal, or death metal bands that sing about weed, uh, that we wanted to play for everybody. So Austin, why don't you start us off with your first pick? Okay, well, my favorite album 
um, of any sort of weed related metal, whatever sludge, doom, stoner metal, um, is electric wizards, dope throne. And I mean that album, Oh God, I just, I love it so much. And a lot of other people do too. It's a very, I think, you know, well-known album within that, within metal, but then also I've run into people that just like electric wizard and don't really like too much other metal. Um, and then I'm not going out on a far limb here because my favorite song of theirs is also their most popular song, which is Funeropolis. Um, I believe it, it's the second song off a of dope throne and it goes a good solid eight or nine minutes. Um, and it's just one of my favorite songs ever. And to me, it perfectly has the heavy blues, but they also have harsher lyrics. Whereas, you know, sometimes I don't always love Sleep. I mean, I love Dope Smoker, but Sleep's other albums, I mean, it's a little less like harsher metal because there's more actual singing. But in this Electric Wizard album, Dope Throne, I mean, he's singing, but he's just like screaming through a bunch of filters and it, it sounds more you know, more like a sludgier band, like an I Hate God or uh, or um, Iron Monkey or something along those lines. But so anyway, we'll play a little clip here from 58 seconds to 226 roughly. And I'll just say a little bit about that. It's just like a, what I love so much about this section here is that it's, they have a really long buildup build up, build up, build up, build up, you know, over a minute. And then I think with really good speakers and the volume turned up when they launch into that first riff, I think it's one of the heaviest things I've ever heard in my life. And I don't think it, you can really get much heavier. I mean, you know, maybe suffocation, um, and death metal and, and, you know, some, some hardcore or something, but I, it's the heaviest thing ever. And then it just launches into this bleak, like nuclear annihilation song. Uh, and, oh God, I just, I love it so much.
Yeah. I love that, you know, that build up that's been going on for about a minute or so. Yeah. Where, I mean, there's even, and you'll hear in the clip, like a nice little sort of, I mean, I don't know if you call it a riff or just like a, I mean, it's definitely not a solo, but a little, what do you, what's the technical term for that little guitar part there? Like a guitar know? fill, maybe? Yeah, but I don't know. And it goes like, and it's really like people who don't like metal, you know, it's, oh, it's very mellow and not whatever. And then they just fucking. Yeah, like it reminds me of fish. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and then they just slam all their pedals on at the same yeah. time. And it's just like. You know, just, I really love how loud and fuzzy the bass is. Uh, it really gives it so much weight behind it, you know? So heavy. And they. They um, don't play live too often, but we were really lucky to see them a few years ago in San Francisco, and they played a couple songs off of Dope Throne, and I was just yeah. in like I was in like teenager heaven there. Uh, and yeah, I, that I mean, was it's, an amazing it's show. Still, an album that I listen to on a very regular basis, and I think I will for the rest of my life. I just from top to bottom. You know, they got the longest song is like 15 minutes. Um, so it has that whole drawn out stonery vibe, but then really well executed songs, too. They're a different, uh, huge Black Sabbath vibe, but it's also completely different than Black Sabbath. But it is that sort of slower, heavier, um, more bleak Black Sabbath because also their lyrics, I mean, they're also British, but their lyrics are, um, extremely dark and bleak i mean just very depressed states and then also like yeah this song funeralopolis is about nuclear warfare sort of uh, and just a nuclear annihilation and that's you know but i also just think like in my mind i think of people like riding motorcycles into like a mushroom cloud or something i don't know (laughs) just it's so fucking cool as well it's like leather clad 70s like witchcraft stuff why don't we bounce it over to you for your like second or you know whatever band that's more (laughs) metal weed related yeah well our uh you know our our super fans will recognize this name (laughs) uh the first band i wanted to show uh was cannabis corpse and you know we've talked about this in our previous episode so I won't go too on too much about it. But again, you know, it's definitely a little tongue in cheek with the song titles, a lot of Cannibal Corpse spoofs and everything like that. But I just really love their music. I think they write super catchy, super fun songs. So the song I want to play is off their album From Wisdom to Baked. And <laughs> the song's called Pull the Carb. And I think it's really important just to gain some extra understanding about what the song's about. Um, it's basically about some psychopath who goes over to people's houses, basically kills them, decapitates <laughs> them, and then smokes weed through their neck. And so bur- pulling the carb, you know, references basically just like them inhaling the weed through the victim's body out their neck hole. I mean, um, come on. That's hilarious. Come on, people. Right. Yeah. What, uh, um, what, what album is it on? It's on, it's off, uh, from wisdom to baked.
Yeah, that that's great. I mean, it's very Cannibal Corpse, obviously, but it's kind of its own thing. And then, I mean, obviously, I can't. I have no idea what he's saying. I'd have to look it up, but um, based upon I mean, he was basically saying, pull the carb. I will decapitate you. And it's just, (laughs) you know, it's just a very silly, it's super catchy. um, And it's just one of my, it's one of their favorite songs of mine. I love it. So, well, right. And I think it's, it's also, you know, we've talked about this many times too, that somehow like horror movies are more palatable to the general audience, you know, whatever, just people in general. Um, Whereas like they get really deeply offended by the musical version of that. But that's what this is. Cannabis, cannabis course from wisdom to baked is a B horror movie. It's a trauma movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fucking true. It's from redneck zombies. Yeah. It's (laughs) Nukem high. Yeah. You know, that's what, (laughs) it's like the, 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 the musical equivalent. And like, if you like that sort of schlocky, um, Stuff, but it's also, but they're also extremely talented. So it's not, I guess, schlocky is the wrong word. It's not like shitty or, you know, poorly produced. But um, anyway, it's just, it's it's lovely B horror movie type stuff. And will always make us laugh. <laughs> yeah. So that's a, I mean, right. obviously that's a great pick. And then, you know, there's a million other bands we could talk about or bands that don't necessarily have like weed references in their in their lyrics, but very much their sound is more of that like heavier, sludgier stuff. But just keeping it more weed related, my uh, my other pick is uh, Weed Eater, <laughs> mm. yeah, from North Carolina. Um, the the bass player and frontman Dixie Dave is is also from Buzz Oven, which is a very influential um, sludgier sort of early 90s band from Raleigh, North Carolina, and they're mostly based out of Wilmington, I believe, North Carolina. Um, and we've seen Weed Eater was on, it was also like I Hate God in the sense that they played the Barry like twice a year, every year, pretty much. Yeah. And, and we, we saw them every time. We saw them every time. And just, a, you know, fucking great show. Um, yeah. And, you know, they used to come out to... Um, so the Sanford and Son theme song. And then one time, I think they came out to the Golden Girls theme song. They did. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, oh, it's so good. And I also remember seeing them one time where Jimmy Bauer was playing with the Phil and Selmo band, the Super Joint Ritual, next door at a different, at, um, what are those venues on 3rd Street or 11th Street um, in Soma? The DNA Lounge and the um, oh, and Slims and Slims, which Slims is now gone, which is very sad. But they were yeah, Jimmy Bauer is playing with Super Joint Ritual, and then he came over and, and backstage. I he was in sweatpants and like sandals, you know, socks with sandals, and he just watched Weed Eater's set. And I just remember I was like, "This is fuck. This rules." He just came over after his set just to watch his friends play. Um, cause you know, they, they go way back, but anyway, Weed Eater, lovely band and their most famous album. And it's also my favorite is, um, God, Luck and Good Speed. And then my favorite of their songs is For Evan's Sake. And so this song, yeah, not quite directly related to weed, but I figure any song by a band called Weed Eater would fit the bill. Um, 
in this song, I finally saw them play it live, maybe the last time we saw them, and I just lost my mind in the best way possible. Uh, it's got such a groove. It's heavy. And then Dixie Dave has a very good growl, but he's not screaming like a death metal band. You know, it's like a... And you can also understand every word he's saying, but then it's just... Anyway, so let's play that song. Yeah, so it's got that nice Those riffs. groove. Yeah, and then the riffs. Just the yeah. Because one thing I'm noticing about this that I haven't really thought about before is that, like, you know, when you when you think about slow being heavy, and you think about like I don't know some the Fantastic Four or something like that, any slow moving like superhero or slow moving anything in a movie is always super, super strong. Right. And that's where they have their power from. Hmm, interesting. And so like, and so like when you hear this band, when they're super slow, there's so much weight and like, just there's so much depth to their sound. I kind of, I kind of attribute this, the two to one another. Cause like if they didn't have like a crazy low bass, a ton of fuzz on every instrument that they're playing, like it just wouldn't sound the same. But if you're looking to like a, listening to like a tech death band, like all of their instruments are like, yeah, they're distorted, but they're way more clear. Right? Yeah, very Where true, like, this very is, true. I don't know. No, I, I, that's an interesting point because you, I mean, you're totally right in the sense that it is a, a slow yet powerful sort of thing. And yeah. And then also, I know for a fact one of the reasons we love this stuff too is that it translates really well live. Like, the, yes, it does. The doomier, sludgier stuff. Um, unless, you know, it goes on and on forever. But even, I mean, well, no, that argument's terrible because sleep goes on forever and they're great. So as long as you got the riffs, I guess, the heaviness and the riffs and that a drummer who's using the whole fucking kit, you know, like, yeah, it's a slower pace, but he's doing fills, using all the cymbals, you know, Joey from I Hate God t- style yeah. and, and like all those and, guys. Yeah. And speaking of Weed Eater, the... Um, the drummer used to set up in the front of the stage facing sideways. They've had multiple right? drummers, yes. And one of them did that, and it was pretty cool. Um, but th- their most recent drummer was a younger guy. Yeah, they don't do that. Yeah. He was, no, he's a younger guy, and he died. 
Oh, like he was our age, thirties. Yeah, he died a couple years yeah, ago, sucks. like unexpectedly, and he was really fucking good. But it's like mm-hmm. it's a three piece, and you know the the main guy and the guitar player, old. You know they're in well into their forties, maybe even early fifties. I'm not sure. Um, and then their drummer was this like thirty whatever year old. So that was kind of cool to see. You know, like them filling in with the the newer generation. So my last one uh, is going back to Matt Pike, his other band, High on Fire. And this is my favorite song from them. And the whole song is about smoking weed. So the <laughs> album is De Vermin Mysterious. Mysterious. Okay. And the song is called Fertile Green. Yeah, so again, super heavy sound, super full. Um, the riffs are great. I love the opening drum part, I think is really cool. But I think the transition from the drums into that riff that basically is carried out through the entire song. Again, a lot of that repetition that you hear, even though the song's only about, you know, four minutes and 45 seconds. Um, the riff kicks ass. It's just an awesome song. It's so fun live. It's just a, you know, it's, it's a song you got yeah. to bang your head to. Yeah, and I, I forget, I, I used to listen to more High on Fire. You know, Matt Pike from Sleep is the High on Fire guy, obviously. And they, um, so they have a lot of, um, you know, the same groove and riffs and stuff, but it's sped up. It's more of a, it's a faster uh, sound, so they don't have as long of songs, but it gives a, I don't know, it rules as well. And I don't. I used to listen to a lot of High and Fire, but haven't actually in more recent years. And this is reminding me that I should. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that kind of wraps up all the, uh, you know, four yeah. t- 422 weeks later uh, <laughs> episode <laughs> related stuff about heavier, more spaced out metal. Um, but is there anything... You know, in conclusion, do you want to talk about any of that? Or is there any other albums, you know, that are non-metal and non-hardcore that you're listening to? Or just songs, whatever. Yeah. I mean, uh, we talked about this via text message the other day. Uh, I woke up about four or five days ago, and I just had this really unsettling urge that I needed to go explore the Enya discography. Yes. (laughs) So I spent about two days listening to a lot of Enya. Um, and you know, some stuff's pretty good, you know, uh, the album day without rain, if anyone's interested, that's the album that I would start with.
even though Watermark is her most famous and acclaimed one, apparently. Oh, indeed. Yeah, but uh, Day Without Rain was very good. And that's it. <laughs> that's all I got. No, that's awesome. Because, I mean, that, that sort of shows where our minds just randomly will go. Um, and, you know, I've never really gotten to Inu, but I suppose I've gotten into, you know, more spaced out post-rock stuff, which is maybe some similarities. But um, mm-hmm. this sh- I haven't really been listening to any newer albums or anything, but there's a couple singles that I wanted to highlight briefly. Um, Troy Zavon is on a new single and we love him. Um, yeah. Saw him live. Very good. Yeah. And he has a new song with DJ regard and Tate McRae. It's just called you. It's a banger. Highly, highly recommend you check it out. I'm really into that. I recommend it as well. And then churches is putting out a new album called he said, or excuse me, a new song called he said, she said, that's really good. I've, they're a cool Glasgow band. Um, they're not always the best on album. They've, they've had a couple good albums, but really fun live. And then um, Sorry by Deb Never. Um, that's been really good. And it, another reason that I've been enjoying it is that's one of the better music videos I've seen in a long time. You know, not a lot of people do great music videos, but... Um, this one is is like really good. It's like a two or three minute song with a six minute video. So you know there's there's some effort put into it to say the yeah. least. Very cinematic. And then randomly, I was also listening to "Whatever and Never Amen" by Ben Folds Five, which is one you of know, my, one of my favorite albums from like elementary school, middle school. And I, I still love it, and I hadn't listened to it in a long time. It's so, it's really good. It's I actually so, revisited that album maybe a few months ago and I was, I really loved how much and talk about having fuzz on your bass. You know, that bass player, there's tons of songs with distortion all over that bass. The other day I woke up with one angry door stuck in my head and I revisited it again. It's so good. It's a, yeah, it's really good. It's a great, great album. Brick is a beautiful, beautiful song. Oh, I'm weeping as we speak. It's so beautiful. (laughs) I mean about like young relationship and abortion. Um, that's really good. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Well, anyway, that kind of, that takes us to the end. Really. We've spent another, you know, hour plus talking about music and we could do it forever, ever and ever. All right, Charlie was well, always good to talk to you. And especially when we record it. Um, and so see you later, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Bye. Bye.